Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Got a lot going on. The email is Pete at the Pete show.com and the Twitter handle, as always, at Pete Calliner, which is spelled K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Um, I will get to some of these tweets. I've got one. Oh, here. Hello. My name is Q. I am single now. I like active American men. Okay, well, I'm out. Um, I was otherwise going to click that link of yours. Democrats in the state Senate, uh, they want North Carolina to hold a special election if an elected official changes political parties. This is at the Charlotte Observer, a story by Jasper Liu, who is a summer intern. So I'm not going to drag Jasper too badly on this next sentence. <laughs> Because it says, they say they will file a bill dubbed the Voter Fraud Protection Act. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. A simple mistake. Anybody could make it. Okay. First off, it's not called the Voter Fraud Protection Act. Because that would be crazy. Right? It's called the Voting Fraud Prevention Protection Act. No, it's the Prevention Act is what it is. It's a prevention act. The Voter Fraud Prevention Act. And it's not dubbed anything. That is actually the short title. You don't dub it that. It's, it's written down on the bill. It's right here. It says Voter Fraud Prevention Act. And the bills are Senators Garrett, Marcus, and Batch. Marcus from uh, Mecklenburg County. I think it's Michael Garrett as well. And they did a press conference today. And I listened to it. I would have watched it, but they don't give you a video feed for some reason uh, on the the General Assembly website. But I listened to it so you didn't have to. You're welcome. I'm a giver. And so what the bill calls for, and I'll read to you the long title because the short title is the Voter Fraud Protection Act. The long title is, quote, an act to require a special election When an elected or appointed member of the General Assembly changes party affiliation during the member's term in office with more than six months of the term remaining and to require the return of campaign contributions upon the request of the contributor. (sighs) But you cannot judge a law by its title. Okay. And what the law actually says is, well, that that's it says all that. That's what the law is. I guess in this case, you can actually judge the law by the bill by its title. Because that is what it does. I mean, there's a lot of whereas's. You know, whereas open and free democracy, whereas duty bound to faithfully pursue interests, blah, 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 blah. Right? What this is, as the uh, the Twitter account for the Wake County Forward Party, which I'm going to assume is uh, a bunch of socialists, the Wake Forward uh, Party, uh, they say, having special elections when politicians switch parties Privilege party interests, not the people. 
What problem is this bill attempting to solve if not to coerce district representatives to comply with the will of the party over the interest of their constituents? And that's a fair point. This is a party protection act. That's what this is about. But they can't say that. Come on now. The Democrats can't come out and say that. They can't tell you this is to protect their party interests. So what do they say? She lied to us. We thought we were getting a Democrat. Well, why would that matter? Well, you see, people, they say, tend to vote for the party. Which I find to be interesting. Because I'm old enough to remember when Democrats were, were hysterical over the inclusion of party ID on the ballot for judges. That this was going to politicize the judiciary. Remember that? Oh, you're going to make the judiciary partisan. No, we're, we're just putting the D's and the R's on the ballot so voters can see the D's and the R's. Because voters don't know a lot about the candidates, particularly the judicial candidates, because they don't go and sit in every courtroom. And newsrooms don't staff enough people to do it either. So they don't know. Voters don't know. And when you get the bar associations or the League of Women Voters um, uh, voter guide that says, you know, here's the here are the candidates for these these judicial races. They all sound the same. All of the candidates sound the same because they all just speak to the law and I'm about the law, justice and such. And so you don't have any idea what their judicial philosophy actually is unless they say something like, I'm an originalist. No, you know, activism in my courtroom. If they, if they make certain uh, disclosures like that, then maybe you could you could divine that they may be a conservative. Or if they're saying, if they say equity, then maybe you can divine that they're a liberal or progressive, right? But otherwise, how do you know? How do you know? And so putting the D's and the R's on the ballot was a way for people to know what a candidate's judicial philosophy was. And Democrats really don't like that. You know why? Because they lose. (laughs) They lose the judicial races. People are okay putting progressives into legislative seats and even into the governor's mansion. Not so much onto the benches. I mean, except in, you know, heavily blue areas like Mecklenburg and Wake and Durham, right? In, in your progressive uh, cities and counties, you're going to have these judges, right, that are left of center. They're, they're Democrats, they're lefties. And then what that means is you end up with decisions like, hey, um, here's a guy accused of stabbing a girl a hundred-something times, stuffing her body into a mattress, and now he gets to walk on a $12,000 bail, right? That, those are the kinds of decisions you get when you live in a blue city, and that's just the trade-off we are told by the city dwellers, the progressives, the, the our betters among us, right? They They... They tell us that these are simply the trade-offs. You have to be able to walk over a certain number of uh, needles. You have to put up with a certain number of assaults on public transit. You have to put up with a certain number of stabbings and, and such. 
right? You have to put up with this stuff in order to have all of the blessings that progressive-run cities provide, usually built by Republicans and business people, but whatever. Like, now they're now the left is in control, and this is what you have to abide. These are the trade-offs. So, now we need to know. Now we need to know what the D or the R behind somebody's name, whether that's real. By the way, uh, Chris Anglin, anybody seen that guy recently? Hello? Chris Anglin, anybody? Remember him? I'm old enough to remember him. Yeah, he's the he's the... Republican who then registered as a Democrat for a long time and then switched his party affiliation back to be a Republican so he could try to play spoiler in the election for state Supreme Court judgeship where uh, Barbara. Oh, my gosh, why am I, I'm blanking on her last name, but she lost to Anita Earls, who's on the bench right now. Anita Earls, who is a social justice activist lawyer, which, by the way, activist lawyer, not a problem when it's of the progressive persuasion, then you should totally be on the bench. You should totally be making up laws and stuff. That's what they they are okay with when it's when it's a progressive activist lawyer who puts on the black robes. But if you are a Republican conservative lawyer who puts on the black robes and says, this is not our job, the law says this, so we shouldn't be doing that thing because the law explicitly forbids us from doing that. Well, now you are usurping the will of the people, obviously. Okay, so now we're going to get the D and the R as a, as a marker of importance. According to, uh, according to the Democrats in the state Senate that filed this bill today, it's Senate Bill 748, so it's, it's, a, it's one bigger than a jumbo jet. It's a bigger bill than the jumbo jet bill. All right. It's called the Voter Fraud Prevention Act, not Protection Act, the Prevention Act. All right, hey, real quick, it is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. All right, I got an email here from Austin regarding the uh, previous topic about the mailing of the ballots and such. He says, I work for the Postal Service. I'd suggest that the Board of Elections send the address verifications using certified mail with restricted delivery so that only the person to whom it is addressed can sign for it. And the Board of Elections gets a receipt back with a signature proving that they received the verification. Well, Austin, that's a great idea, but it it presumes that that they actually do want to know that that's the case. But they don't. Otherwise, they would have done that. Right? You are what you are describing, sir, is election integrity. And unfortunately, a lot of folks that are making the rules do not want that. Um, all right. But uh, speaking of election integrity, we have the Democrats in the Senate um, who are running a bill uh, that will call for or mandate a new election. If anybody tries to pull another Trisha Cotham, here is their press conference, some of the audio from their press conference today. Okay, now, hang on a second. From their press conference today. 
our colleagues are colluding behind closed doors with election-denying attorneys. What? Senate Democrats are laser-focused on protecting the right to vote, ensuring free and fair elections, and restoring the voters' confidence in their elected representatives. They have been working with President Trump's attorney of the famed Just Find Me the Votes Georgia phone call to develop their election bill. What? That all stands in stark contrast to the legislation we are filing today. Hang on a second. What on God's green earth is this guy talking about? Glad you asked. I have a story from Alex Baltzigar. He's with Carolina Journal. Headline, WRAL and Democrats, but I repeat myself, construct false narrative on GOP election bill. After they filed the bill, after Republicans filed the bill, media outlets that had been pumped with this uh, information from Democrats created this narrative that bill sponsors and authors say is not actually what happened when they wrote their legislation. The narrative was launched by WRAL as, quote, news, and then it was perpetuated by North Carolina Democrats, and it is false. What is it? It's that Cleta Mitchell was a key player in drafting the election bill that Republicans have introduced. Cleta Mitchell was an attorney for President Donald Trump and uh, was part of the effort to overturn the election results in Georgia. And so this is the story that I suspect the Democrats planted and then amplified after the story got told. I suspect it came from Democrats initially, but um, but I don't know that to be true. But the first thing that happens, but it, it smacks to me, I'm going to do a, a sort of like a, a, an intelligence community assessment like on Hunter Biden's laptop, and I'm going to say that it has all the earmarks of an information laundering operation where some Democrats get some rumors, they give it to the media, media tells this as a, as a story, and then the, the Democrats come back and say, oh, look at this story, and they cite the story as the proof. But it's not true. It's not true. The people who wrote the bill say that they had a conference call and somebody brought her onto the call, but the bill was already done. In fact, all of the provisions of the bill were run in previous versions of the bill. Previous versions over the last two years or so have all had these elements in them. They just put them all together. So, no, Cleta Mitchell didn't help them write the bill. The bill was written long before Cleta Mitchell ever got on a phone call with them. And most of the Republicans didn't even know who she was. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's a good talking point, so Democrats are going to they're gonna ride that. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Got an email here. Uh, or sorry, this is a, it's a Pete tweet. Right. So a Pete tweet. Um, if Democrats can't turn in ballots that they printed off in December, 
then the elections were basically stolen. It's basic fairness, Pete. That's fair. That's right. Um, and then on the, uh, where is this? Uh, my good friend Ray Cooper on Twitter, uh, talking about why the state can't get employees. Here's why they can't fill state jobs and have high turnover when they do. The HR process takes forever, and it makes it almost impossible to hire good people. A friend of mine works for a state agency and struggles with this. It takes so long to hire somebody because of the bureaucracy that they cannot hire people. If things go perfectly, it takes four months after they choose a candidate to have a start date for them. And often it takes six or more months. But anybody who has marketable skills and experience is going to have taken a different offer long before that. So... When he makes people offers, 90% of them decline because they already took a private sector position. So the folks who get hired are often whoever's left over from the applicant pool who didn't or couldn't get hired anywhere else in the months between when they applied and when they could have started. Sending all the state HR people to work from home without adequate supervision just slowed the process even more and made that backlog worse and they still haven't recovered back to their normal level of mediocrity since the governor kept state agencies working in emergency mode for so long. Oh, I wish I had known that information when I was talking to Artis Watkins, the executive director of the union. Don't call it a union association of state employees. Uh, but thank you. Um, all right, let me get back to this audio clip. And I mentioned... Um, two, 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 where is it? There we go. I mentioned uh, uh, what this uh, first part from Senator Michael Garrett, I believe is his name, Garrett. Yeah. Um, what, what he's referencing here is this lie that uh, the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, have been promulgating about who helped them draft their legislation on election reform. And they're claiming it was Cleta Mitchell, which I guess should warrant this just for effect. Because that's, you know, whatever. So she's yeah, so she's allegedly like the architect of this. And she was the one that, you know, was the election denier. And it turns out, no, somebody brought her into a conference call at some point, but the bill was already done. And in fact, the bill has been done for a very long time because all of the components of the bill have been run as other bills over the years, some of which have been vetoed by Governor Cooper already. So that's what he's talking about at the beginning of this clip. Our colleagues are colluding behind closed doors. The bill's already been filed. Attorneys. The bill's already been filed. Senate Democrats are laser focused uh-huh. on protecting the right to vote, ensuring free and fair elections, and restoring the voters' confidence in their elected representatives. They have been working with President Trump's attorney of the famed "Just Find Me the Votes" Georgia phone call to develop their election bill. Again, that all stands in stark contrast to the legislation we are filing today. This is something we all should want to end, members of both parties, so that voters get the representation that they chose when they cast their ballot. By the way, how how many parties are there in North Carolina? Just there only are there only two? No, there aren't. That's right. Yeah, you kind of yeah, you you kind of messed up a little bit there, Senator. There are more than there are more than two parties. But obviously, this is a party protection act. Uh, Senator Marcus will now explain the Voter Fraud Prevention Act. Our latest bill 
in a series of good government pro-democracy proposals. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Senator Garrett. Good morning, everyone. I'm Natasha Marcus, uh, representing District 41, Mecklenburg County, um, in the North Carolina Senate. When news broke in April that a legislator from Mecklenburg County had decided to switch her party affiliation, the voters who had elected her just five months earlier, and the donors who had supported her with contributions were, in a word, angry. They felt betrayed that a candidate could say she stood for one set of values in order to win the primary and the general election and then completely reverse course, join the opposite team, and keep going like nothing had happened. Those voters and donors could not believe that such a blatant bait-and-switch was allowed. All right, so just keep in mind as you listen to, right, our, our, uh, you know, our state senator, Natasha Marcus, and and you listen to her soaring rhetoric here. Um, I mean, it's truly inspirational. Just listen to this and think about the arguments that they were making about putting D's and R's on the ballot next to judges' names, right? This talk about teams, this talk about, you know, oh, people are angry because they feel betrayed over this because... They don't have our values. She isn't. She's now flipped teams, so she doesn't have our values anymore. So th- she's talking about there being certain things, certain what we call heuristics, that attach to the D and the R. They asked, "Wait, is that legal? Can she do that? What about everything she said about being a Democrat, which I believed?" Some even said, "Wait, I gave her money. Can I get that back?" They felt swindled, and they wanted some recourse. The most recent example of a legislator switching parties is not the only time it has happened in North Carolina. In fact, switches have happened before, and the parties have been reversed. So it's time that we did something to give voters tools to hold their elected representatives accountable and give political donors the right to seek a refund if their contributions are based on a false impression of the candidate. By the way, uh, you can ask for your money back. Did you know that? In fact, one of the people at this very press conference said she got her money back. <laughs> so you can you can ask for that back. And then if if the candidate refuses to give it back, you could then make that a story against that candidate or that elected official, right? You go to the media. I'm pretty sure that they would take your story, Democrats, um, that Democrat you know refuses to ret- or Republican refuses to return money. So you can ask for it to be returned. And apparently Cotham has returned donations. So you can already do that. But I find it also interesting that they believe that there needs to be some recourse here. When they're, and they pretend that there isn't recourse. Well, there is recourse. It is the next election. Right? It's the next election. But what they want to have is an election right now. Because they know this district would flip to the Democrats. Right? That's that's why they're doing this. Now, the bill's not going to pass, so it's just all just theater. But if this district had, if this district had drifted to the right, let's say, let's say you have a, 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 a blue dog Democrat, someone who is a Democrat, and then the district gets redder and redder and redder, and then they flip to be a Republican. Do you think that they would be as mad? Do you think that they would be running this legislation? Or is it only because they believe they can flip this district back if they had the election right now? 
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Democrats are mad at Trisha Cotham. They're mad they lost the supermajority. Roy Cooper is a lame duck. And they're going to try to... This isn't going to go anywhere. They're not going to... They're not going to get Republicans to go along with this, especially not right now. Now, maybe if they if the Republicans lose the majority, then maybe they will. And then Democrats will oppose these types of things. Such has been the historical record. All right, let's get back to the news conference. This is Natasha Marcus, state senator from Mecklenburg County. After all, voters frequently rely on a candidate's party affiliation to decide how the candidate will legislate if elected. Really? Often, maybe too often, uh, voters, sometimes that's all they know about the candidate is which party are they affiliated with. So wait a minute. You're saying voters are ignorant? Are they lazy? They haven't done their research on the lawmakers that they're voting for? Is that what you're saying? I don't know about you, but I respect the voters. (laughs) Think about what she's saying here. If I wanted to be that kind of person, I would make that kind of an argument against her. But I'm not going to do that. That's not necessary. Because it's true. What she's saying is true. And it was true when I said it about the judicial races. In fact, it was more true about the judicial races. Because while lawmakers have records that you can that you can point to, a lot of judges don't. A lot of judges do not. What you end up getting are recommendations from other lawyers. And that's valuable to some degree. But generally speaking, lawyers aren't going to go on record and say these judges are terrible. Because when you do that, you might not fare too well in their courtrooms. Not that I would ever suggest the judges might hold personal grudges against individual attorneys that appear before them. But Senator Marcus knows that. I believe she's an attorney herself. Right? So the idea that we can't have D's and R's on the ballot because people shouldn't be making these decisions based on the heuristic of of party ideologies. But we totally need them on the legislators. Also, do you recall what happened at the Charlotte City Council level when uh, members said, hey, why don't we remove the D's and the R's? Yeah, remember that? They tried to, when they were talking about going to four-year terms and staggering and, and all of, and paying them more money, there were all these things that Democrats wanted to do. One of the things that they refused to do, remember? Make them nonpartisan races. That's right. They refused to make them nonpartisan races. Why? Because it's to their advantage at the city level. And then they refuse at the school board level. We don't want to politicize the school board, so no D's and R's on school boards. 
So we don't get to have the D's and R's on school board. We have to have them for city council and county commission. We can't have them for the judicial races, but we have to have them at the state level. Isn't that interesting how every single example always aligns with what benefits the Democrats the most? I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Right. And voters expect Democrats to support certain things. And oh. Republicans to support other things. Interesting. And those things are sometimes diametrically opposed. Sort of like reading porn to kids in the school library. Maybe like that. Drag, drag queen story hours. Stuff like that. Is that why we can't have D's and R's on school board races? What do you think? So Senate Bill 748, the Voter Fraud Prevention Act, is only one page long. That's all it takes to address the unfairness and the outrage that is caused by situations like this most recent incident in Mecklenburg County. It's a simple two-part solution. Part one, if a member of the General Assembly changes parties with more than six months left in their term, they are considered to have vacated their seat, and that triggers a special election, which must be held in 90 days. Yeah, except they didn't vacate their seat. So does the seat belong to the party, or does the seat belong to the people? That should be an easy question to answer for all the people who defend democracy. No? Why would you have vacated a seat simply because you changed your party affiliation? When you haven't vacated your seat. Who takes that oath? Right? Did y'all even think this stuff through before you wrote your copy points for your presentation today? Did you think this thing through? I know what you're thinking. Pete, Pete, surely somebody asked them about these things during the press conference. Surely they did not. Surely they did not. News is next.